and welcome to Know That, a Real Housewives podcast. I'm Donnie Hatfield-Smith. I'm Anthony Casella. And I'm Quentin Lamar. And as always, we are here to continue the conversations you're having with your best friends about all things housewives. Today, we are joined by former Real Housewives of New York friend, Elise Slane. Hello, Hi. Elise. Welcome. Thank Hi. you. Welcome. Former friend. You? That says it all. <laughs> you're our oh. friend for sure. <laughs> Later in the show, we're going to have you answer some questions from our listeners and also have you give advice to some of the ladies from Real Housewives of Potomac. But first, you were brought on Real Housewives of New York as Ramona's friend, but we saw that friendship dissolve during the season. Where do you stand with your co-stars today and do you still speak with any of them? Um, I'm still uh, in touch with Leah and Dorinda, but I've not spoken with Sonia or Ramona or Luann. Leah was the answer I was hoping for, so we're in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> Good, okay. <laughs> Were you ever able to see Luann's cabaret? Were you fortunate or unfortunate enough? I never had an interest in Luann's cabaret. <laughs> All right. What have you been up to since filming Real Housewives of New York? So I trade my cryptocurrency, which is what I do full time. And I've gotten involved. I partnered with a beauty company, Beauty Society, because they had sent me their products to try. And I fell so in love with their products. I wanted to buy the company, um, but they weren't willing to sell, but they were willing to partner. Okay. So I'm working with them and I'm I'm a mom and I'm doing my, uh, although my daughter's 26, I like to think she still needs me. <laughs> she does. <laughs> and I'm doing my, uh, my Instagram dating advice thing, which I'm actually really enjoying. I get hundreds of DMs a day now asking wow. for advice wow. from such on such a wide array of topics, not just dating advice, um, advice between children and parents. And I've had literally the child reach out to me, the parent reach out to me. And I'm not a trained therapist. I have no background. I'm just intuitive. And I've always been the advice giver in all of my relationships, solicited or unsolicited, <laughs> or getting my opinion. <laughs> Some people are just really good at giving advice. I like to think so. I, I have a good track record as far as mm -hmm. couples. I've gotten four couples married. I literally introduced them. Wow. And coach them through the whole dating process, both the guy and the girl. So I have a good track record. Yeah, sounds all right. A, it's such a good time, too, because the last seven or eight months, people are probably thinking a lot about the way that they interact with their husbands, their wives, and the people in their life. So definitely a good, good time to be reaching out for relationship advice or providing it. Yes. Yeah, we, I'm pretty sure we all need that. Nobody married thought that we would be in the circumstance where we had to spend so much time <laughs> with our spouses. I know. I know. So this either sped up the relationship status or broke up relationships. <laughs> so true. That's right, really true yeah. of everybody I know. <laughs> Yeah, Very when we, we advertised that you were coming on the show and asked our listeners for questions, and so many of them were about, you know, I'm stuck with my spouse in my house. What do I do? So there's definitely a common theme. Right. We have some questions here. For the past week, we've been telling our listeners that you'd be coming on the podcast, and we gave them a chance to send you some questions that they want you to hear. A lot of people sent in their dilemmas, so we picked some of our favorites just for you to listen to and give your advice. Now, our first question comes from one of our listeners, Corinne. 
whim. And the question is, how much time should a woman wait before sleeping with a guy she's interested in? If a guy doesn't want to sleep with you right away, is he uninterested? So I think that a woman should wait until she knows the guy is absolutely crazy about her. And she's really the first thing he thinks about when he wakes up and the last thing he thinks about when he's going to sleep, make him crave you. So I am old fashioned in that way. If you want to hook up, by all means, go for it, right? Just practice Mm -hmm. safe sex. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, Use a condom and a mask now, right? (laughs) 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 Got to cover both ends now. That's true. Um, So much for oral sex, right? Right. But um, (laughs) if you want a guy, if you really want a relationship, make him just want you every day where he just can't focus. So I believe in that. And... If a guy doesn't want to sleep with you, does that mean he's not interested? Absolutely not. Plenty of guys are shy. Um, There are plenty of guys that do want to get to know a woman emotionally. My husband, actually, I asked him this question once because I made that boy wait. (laughs) Um, And I said, you know, if I had slept with you the first date or the first week, would you have been as interested? And he said, I would not have slept with you that fast because I need more of an emotional connection. Mm. I don't want to just jump into bed with a woman. So the answer is no, I would not take that as rejection. If he's still making plans with you, he's interested. It's when he stops making plans, then he's gone. Yeah. I mean, not speaking for myself, but I do think that society, we don't really talk about how men, how some men require emotional connection before sex. It's kind of like frowned upon almost. So- I do think that's, I think there's some truth there. And I think the more cerebral the guy, right? Like I I did a video on my Instagram about the hot nerd. (laughs) I think um, the more cerebral the guy, the more he's interested. Sex is better for him when there's an emotional connection. The sapiosexual, yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned that when he stops making plans for you is how you can tell. Once you get that vibe, would you just cut it off right there? Or would you give him the benefit of the doubt? Or maybe it was a bad day? Or when would you decide, like, now's the time to let him lose? Well, I mean, one day wouldn't have such an impact on me because I would say, yeah, that could have been a bad day or he was busy. But I'm a firm believer, you know when someone's interested. Right. So if you don't know where you stand with someone, it's because you have no standing. That's deep. Yeah, you're right. Smart. Smart though. This is why you make videos. You need to tweet that. (laughs) Okay. So let's move on to our next question. This person says, I want a relationship, but as soon as someone shows interest in me, I immediately freak out and bolt and I don't know why. How can I figure out why I'm like this or how can I jump into something that scares the hell out of me? If relationships are scaring the hell out of you and you're bolting and don't know why, I would suggest exploring that further, probably in therapy, because I don't know what this person is. There a traumatic event in their past that's keeping them from moving forward in a relationship? Or is it because they came from a broken home and therefore they're afraid of being let down? Are they afraid of commitment? So there are so many questions that need to be asked to really advise on this. But Mm -hmm. if you want a relationship and you can't bring yourself to be in one, I would say that's really worth further um, introspection and exploration with with someone who could really help, especially if there was a past trauma involved. Yeah. And and this person is anonymous. So I think that kind of says something there. (laughs) Right. Okay. So the next question would be, how many times a week should a married couple be having sex? So that also is 
there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, one depends on your age, right? If you're in your 20s or your 30s, you're probably more um, sexually active than you are in your 50s or 60s and going through hormonal changes. It also depends on the level of stress that you have in your life, job responsibility, children in your life. So I would say that I'm a believer that intimacy absolutely keeps a couple together, but sex should not be a chore. I'd say a healthy marriage when there's children, when there's work-life balance, I would say at least once a week, but there should always be romance and you should always try to still be attractive to your partner, still try to have a date night, try to do little things for one another that keep the other person interested and feeling special. Yeah. Actually, I think I read an article that was talking about this and they said how even if you're not having sex, it's important to have that dynamic and it asked questions like whether or not the couple played together sexually, you know, like whether there was like little flirtations, maybe a little bit of caressing and groping, even when not having sex. And I think that is, right. yeah, I think that right. is very Just important to keep that play, connection. Right. I mean, my, so now my husband's working from home. Um, we're married only two years, but we've been together for six and a half years. And I'll walk in when I know he's on some call and I'll like, woohoo, I'll flash him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so yeah. So just, you know, keep it, keep a playful, but yeah. you definitely have to worry if there's no intimacy in the marriage, you do have to worry that one or both partners are straying or going to stray. That is very true. Is he going to flash you during this call? <laughs> no, because you'd be able to see him coming. <laughs> oh, too bad. Um, okay, so our next question is also anonymous. It says, "This is th there's this guy I'm talking to. He always calls the things I like basic, and it almost seems like an insult. He also interrupts me quite a lot, and I never feel heard. Sometimes I bring up things I told him already, and he never remembers them. I'm finding talking to him less and less enjoyable. My friends are divided. Some say stick it out. Some say ditch him. What do I do? Ditch him. <laughs> there, there's no caveat there. Just yeah. ditch him. I mean, it's not he almost... Calling you basic is not almost an insult. It is an insult. Yeah. And yeah. if he's not remembering things that you're telling him, he's not interested. And if he's behaving this way now during the courting period <laughs> when he should be, you know, a peacock and fluffing up his feathers for you, imagine if you fell into a relationship with this guy. Right. So cut your losses, get out. <laughs> Kick him to the curb. I hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have a parenting question. In terms of parenting, how do you handle discipline if you and your partner have different parenting styles? So in front of the children, I think that you always have to be united. So the the conversations about your different parenting styles can never be in front of the child. Mm -hmm. um, I was never a believer in spanking or hitting. So that I would always say yield to the partner who who does not believe in physical punishment. And which one of you have a more successful parenting style, right? Mm -hmm. Which one is getting a better result from the child? And then that's the style that the two of you should adopt. And you could have two different parenting styles for two different children, right? What works on one may not work with the other. Some children maybe true. work better with positive reinforcement. Other children work better with consequences for bad behavior. So 
depends on the child and what's working for them. And then the two of you have to say, you know what, you're right. You get better results than I do. So we're going to do this your way. Do you think that the parent asking this question, do you think they should look at the relationship that that person and their spouse have with their parent? Do you think that comes into play at all? Sure. Well, I think everybody brings their their history that they right. have with their parents into their parenting style. Either you repeat the same behavior or you could go in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. Yeah. But And so I think you need to, that's a very good point. So I do think that you need to make your spouse aware, you know, well, why do you feel that this is a better way to discipline? Or why do you think your way is yielding a better result? And don't be critical, be open to a discussion. Yeah, that's definitely true. I know, like, for me, I was a badass. So my older sister was like very goody two shoes. It would take very little to get her on track if she did any little thing just because she was so, you know, I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to be that was not the motivation for me. I was like, I don't care. I want to do it. You caught me. Right. Here we are. Right. right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely two different kids with two different styles. Okay. So we have another one here. Uh, it's, do you think relationship secrets should always be kept hidden? When is too much information truly too much? So I assume when you say relationship secrets, they're not talking about secrets within that relationship that you have from one another. I'm assuming that we're talking about your past. Mm -hmm. So do you need to tell your new partner how many men or women you slept with? No, that information is on a need to know basis. (laughs) And your new partner does not need to know that. It's not really their business. Right, right. Right. Definitely agree with that one. (laughs) The past is the past. Okay, and then we have one last question here. Do you have any advice for couples who are together during quarantine and are now dealing with no alone time for themselves as individuals? Um, Yeah, I mean, you could always, I'm sure even if you're living in a studio, you could always find a a corner of the room and just sort of very politely say, you know what, I'm just going to tune out for a little bit. I love you, but I'm here with my headphones and I'm watching, you know, my favorite show right now. I'll talk to you in an hour or two sort of a thing and respect one another's boundaries. And you have to be able to still, you could still leave the house or leave the apartment, go for a walk, be in touch with friends. So I think you just have to create boundaries and respect that with one another. Yeah. There's always a way to carve out some time for yourself to be alone. However that looks Elise, that's all really great advice. And I think there are uh, some other women who could use your help too, uh, specifically in the DC, Maryland area. (laughs) Now the real housewives of Potomac seem to have a laundry list of relationship issues from the commonplace to the bizarre. Uh, And we'd like to hear what you would recommend for each of their situations. Now, let's start with uh, Wendy and uh, Edward. Now, Wendy's mother-in-law doesn't seem to like her, and this is apparent, and it doesn't seem to be an isolated issue in Potomac either. We've also had a similar situation with another couple in that city, Monique and Chris, where Chris's mother doesn't like Monique. Mm -hmm. So the question, Elise, is there a special trick to that relationship between wife and mother-in-law? And what advice would you give to women or men who are struggling to get along with their husband's mother? So now I have to preference this. I've never watched this show, so I don't know any of the characters and therefore I don't know the history. So I'm going to give my advice based on strictly what I just heard. Sounds good. Um, I think with mother-in-laws, especially with a mother-son relationship, 
there's a shift in in that mother's role in her son's life when a a wife or a significant other or you know or a, a husband comes in um and so you have to understand that she's feeling she was the 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 number one woman in his life she was the one the go-to person she was the one who loved him most in the world and she was the most special woman so now she's feeling threatened. She's not sure what her role is anymore. Right. So I think you need to understand her struggle and try to bring her on as a partner instead of making it a competition between the two of Mm. you. If you make it clear to her that you both have a shared interest, which is his happiness, and that you want to learn from her on because she's been his mom an awful long time. So Go to go to her for advice. Make her a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this great book. It was called The Five Love Languages. And it mm-hmm. explains the five different ways people feel love, give love, receive love. Um, and the five ways are word affirmation, gifts, physical touch, quality time, or acts of service. Understand how your mother-in-law gives love and receives love. So maybe she's not the type to hug you and tell you how much she loves you, but she brings you a little gift every time she sees you. Um, Her bringing you a little gift doesn't mean that she's, if she brings you something for the kitchen, she's not insulting your cooking or your housekeeping or something. It may be the way she shows love. So I would be, um, I would try to understand what makes her tick. Um, Let her know that you love and respect her son. I would never criticize him in front of her or to her. If you're feeling upset about something and you want her input, you can say, instead of he always does this, you can say, I feel X, Y, Z. Right. So she doesn't feel that she has to defend her son to you. And instead, she will want to help you and maybe smack him upside the head a little bit. Like, (laughs) do you hear the way you're making her feel? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I would include her in, in your family affairs, like send her pictures of the two of you together Mm. or send her pictures of if there are grandchildren involved, send her little things to always make her feel that she is still very much a part of his life and your lives together. That makes plenty of sense. Yeah, that's sweet. And that makes a lot of sense. One of the couples I mentioned before, Monique and Chris, uh, within their relationship, Monique handles uh, the lion's share of parenting responsibilities with uh, Chris, her NFL husband, for their few young children. Uh, and Monique seems to have quite a bit on her plate trying to get a company off the ground, uh, starting a podcast, and it seems to be taking its toll. Uh, she's very stressed out, and her husband's way of helping seems to be telling her to hire help and not necessarily extending himself to help lighten the load. What would you say Monique needs to do in order to not feel so bogged down? And what's the right way for her to address this with her husband, Chris? Is he an active participant in the family life? Is he an active participant in the children's lives? Yes. Yeah, they're still together. Yeah. So in which area does she want him to help? She wants him to be, is he not hearing her when she's talking about what's stressing her out about work? Does he, is it a lack of interest on his part about her affairs outside the family? I don't think it's the lack of interest necessarily. Uh, 
the kind of world building that this particular show has done is given us some insight into what the mindset of men who are in the NFL, what that mindset is. And it seems to be that the women and the wives will cater to them and kind of raise the children, but make sure there's a meal on the table, make sure, you know, there's an active sex life. And Chris, who I I would say primarily contributes financially, uh, his answer to her stress in the area of the child raising seems to be more hired help as opposed to saying, sure, honey, I can watch the kids for a weekend while you go away with the girls. And I think she wants him more involved in that way. It's going to be very hard to get him to change his traditional mindset. Um, And that being said, again, she has to approach him. And I, you know, Chris, I, I love you. But I, I sometimes feel like you don't take the things that I'm passionate about, or my business, my interests as seriously as I take yours. And in order for us to be a cohesive, loving family, I need to feel that you are an active participant in my life, as I am an active participant in yours. Now, there's nothing wrong with if he wants to say, hey, hire more help for the kids, that may be an option to hire, you know, if if it's someone that you trust with the kids, as long as you're telling me that he's still a loving, active father. But I think she just needs to sit down and try to say, this is how I feel. This is what I need from the relationship. I wouldn't threaten him, but he needs to repeatedly understand if I don't get this, this is making me feel distant from you. This is causing a disconnect between us. So he be warned. (laughs) (laughs) That that makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to another couple, uh, Karen and Ray. Now, some backstory on on this couple. Uh, Karen and her husband, Ray, have been married for decades. They've raised children together who are out of the house. They've even struggled through some tax issues that Karen has helped keep them afloat during. Um, But now Karen is in a phase of her life where she's, to be frank, enjoying the spotlight and fame and fortune that the show brings. And uh, Ray, who was a bit older, is tired and seems to be pulling (laughs) away from Karen. I mean, on the show, we see him not being able to bring himself to tell her that he loves her, at least on camera a little caveat there and um, during a therapy session at their home has uh, recently said he's not sure if he's in love with Karen anymore, but that he loves her. What, what, what should this mean to Karen? What would you say to Karen? Um, So if your husband is telling you that he's not sure he's in love with you and he's pulling away, I think Karen needs to, and now it's very easy to get, very hurt by that and angry, right? So normally the best defense is a good offense and it's, well, you don't love me. Well, I don't love you either. But if she does love him, it's important that she sit down with him and say, obviously, if you don't know if you're in love with me, it's because perhaps you're feeling that I'm not making you feel loved. What is it that you need from me to feel loved and appreciated and fall back in love with me? It may be simple things that she's just not hearing. And 
she's suddenly very caught up in the spotlight and maybe he's feeling neglected. It may be something really simple that she can do to let him know he's still a priority. She's still in love with him. The age difference, look, when if there's that much of an age difference, he is tired. But I think you have to hear your partner. I think the knee-jerk reaction is, well, if you're not in love with me, then goodbye. I think that's not the right reaction. It should, it, I would try to, they've had a, a lot of years of marriage. They've raised a, raised a family. What's changed in their life is that she's now in the spotlight. So she needs to really pay attention to how that's making him feel. How can she still enjoy the spotlight while still making him feel nurtured, appreciated, valued. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to uh, some of the more thorny issues that the couples <laughs> on The Real Housewives of Potomac are having. Um, now, Giselle and Jamal. So Giselle has recently rekindled her relationship with her ex-husband, uh, Jamal Bryant, a super famous pastor who has uh, cheated on her in the past. She has said on the show and has since allegedly fathered multiple children with uh, different women. Now, as they are working on their relationship and getting back together, uh, Giselle and Jamal's daughters don't seem to approve of it. And I'm curious, what would your advice be to Giselle in entering back into this relationship with her ex-husband? Did she also have affairs? Was this an open marriage? I, I don't believe so, but not that we know of. So I usually would say cheating does not make a marriage bad. It's symptomatic of a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but if somebody fathered multiple children outside the marriage and has repeatedly cheated on me, I would, I would not want to try again with this person. I am I don't see why he would change. What what's different about him? I, I mean, the 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 hypocrisy of being a, a pastor and right. all this infidelity, right? So right. that makes it even worse to me. So that makes me think, well, you're supposed to be accountable to God. What makes me think you're going to be accountable to me <laughs> if you know you don't even respect your faith? Yeah, hundred so, percent. <laughs> and I and if the children are afraid. I don't think I, I'm sure it's been very difficult for the children to watch their parents have a volatile marriage. And if the children have now come out the other side of it, I would not subject my children to this again as well. So my advice to her would be to let this relationship go. Good advice. That 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 doesn't definitely to be agree with the, that. I mean, yeah, that's we've said multiple wisdom. children, but we're we're like six or seven children. Yeah. Like yeah. I think yeah, multiple I is kind of nice. We're close to double digits at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think she really needs to explore why she wants to be back in this relationship. What is she getting out of this? Is there a financial need? What is she getting out of it? We're not sure. Yeah, she has some, an answer. That is, some, that is something for her to explore. Um, <laughs> now, we're going to end with our last question as far as the Potomac couples and the most um, chaotic, quite frankly. <laughs> Now, oh, yay. <laughs> I'm going to throw a lot at you, Elise. Ready? Ashley and her husband, Michael, have, have a lot going on in their relationship. Uh, from the moment we've met them as an audience roughly five years ago, there's been a general lack of respect for her on his part in terms of uh, generally being a dick, quite frankly, but also grabbing the butts of cameramen and talking about wanting to enter into oral sex with 
other cast members' husbands. He recently got caught at a hotel with a woman. And uh, while it seems as though they've played together, they being Ashley and Michael, together entering into threesomes, there also seems to be infidelity on both ends. We've just learned that Ashley has also been unfaithful. Um, Ashley has just in real time announced she's pregnant with baby number two and on the show has asked Michael for a post-nuptial agreement so that if he cheats again, Ashley and her uh, children will be taken care of financially. So seems as though she's planning an exit strategy. I'm not even sure if there's a clear question here. I'll just ask, what do you make of all of this? And <laughs> what... What would you say to Ashley? Um, what did she did she sign a prenuptial agreement? She did, but it expired. Oh, it expired. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, I mean, I do like the idea of a postnuptial agreement, but I don't think she has to worry so much if the prenuptial agreement expired. Then it's marital assets, um, and she does not need a postnuptial agreement to make sure her children are taken care of because child support cannot be negotiated in a prenuptial or a postnuptial that is determined by the courts based on how much money he makes and has and the lifestyle in which they have been accustomed to. Um, If they went into this with an open marriage, which it sort of sounds that way since she's been, she's had affairs of her own. Mm -hmm. And is she now that there are children involved, she now wants to change the rules on him. I'm, I'm not sure what the dynamic is there, but I, this is not a relationship that I would give a two thumbs up to. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I think that she, uh, she'll be fine financially now that the prenup has expired. And I think she needs to stop wasting time. I would say that's great thing. advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone that watches the show would agree with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to touch on an answer you gave earlier with Quinn, what is your love language? And then how do you handle a partner with a different love language than yours? So my love language, it's funny because I spent many years thinking my love language was gifts. But I realize now that was only because with my first husband, he was not one to go out and be creative and buy a gift. And so I started to think, well, that's what I want then. Mm. But it's really not what makes me happy. Affirmation makes me happy. So my current husband, every morning, he prepares my coffee cup. I live in a duplex. And so he comes down in the morning before I do. And he prepares my coffee with all my little, I put collagen powder in and MCT oil and coconut oil. So he prepares that and he writes on a napkin with a Sharpie, a little note to me. And he has been doing this since the first time I allowed him to stay over. (laughs) So I have, (laughs) you know, so multiply six years, you know, times 365 days. I have all these napkins that I've collected and this is my daily affirmation, and this makes me feel very loved and supported. I love that. He, he does have a different language than I do. He likes acts of service. So if I do little things for him, then he feels loved and appreciated. From the smallest of gestures to a large gesture, one, one big gesture is I have a house in the Hamptons, and every summer that's where we are. I've had this house for a very long time. 
he's German and likes to travel over the summers. So he compromised a lot being in the Hamptons with me now for six years. And he asked me if I would rent out the house this summer. Um, and he wants it rented because he knows if it's not rented, then I will say, well, destination, the Hamptons. <laughs> so he wants to take that option away. And hopefully COVID will be a thing of the past. And he wants to travel and spend the summer really going on a, you know, getting a boat and going around Europe or something. So I am doing this for him, which I never thought I would do. (laughs) That's nice of you. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not such a big compromise, right? Oh, gee, you know, I got to like take a boat around Europe. Poor me, you know. I'm not feeling too bad for you here. I know. I know. I'm not like most people are going to be like you, you asshole. But um. But still, I do love being in the Hamptons. It's my home base. And so it is a big deal to me to to do this. Elise, I have a question. You um, mentioned kind of discovering what your love language was. Do you think it's rare? Do you think the majority of people maybe don't know what their love language is? Or I think the majority of people not only don't know what their love language is, but they just don't know what drives them in general. I think... People need to be more introspective in their lives. I think they need to take more responsibility for problems in relationships instead of blaming one another or pointing the finger or playing the victim. I I think that people need to, with friendships, with marriages, with relationships, with parents, with children, you have to step back and say, what role do I play in this, in this conflict? Right, right. So yes, I think that people, most people lack introspection. And I think it's the best thing you can do for yourself. To wrap it up, uh, looking back at your time on Real Housewives of New York, if you could give advice to your past self at any point during the season, what would it be? Don't do the show. (laughs) (laughs) It was, my personality is in direct conflict with the show and that I don't like fighting. And I know the show, they they have their fights and then they seem to have closure and then they fight again about the right. same thing. And then again, they make up and I'm just not a BS person. So if there's a conflict, I really do want it resolved to a point where we don't have to go back and visit it again. I don't believe in mudslinging and going for the juggler Mm -hmm. where these women do to one another. It's hard to have a friendship on the show. I even think about with my friendship with Leah now and that we have confided in in one another so much that if I was still on the show and then all of a sudden she like went into her, you know, her, her artisanal of everything I've confided in her to use it against me in the show. Well, that would be the end of our relationship as well. Yeah. So I was not a good fit for the show. I don't think I would be either <laughs> in your <Yeah>, defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, look, these women say really yeah. horrible things to one another, which is sort of ironic that Ramona is hating on me. Because if you think about what was my big crime, you know, I, I asked her over Halloween, do you consider me a friend, right? Mm-hmm. And that made me the Black Widow. <laughs> right. Know? So there's, I, I, I don't do well when people are illogical, irrational, and mean-spirited. That's a good way to be. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're great, but I'm glad you're off the show for you, yeah. you know, Thank for your you. well-being. It sounds <laughs> Thank <exhausting>. you. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, in terms of the show, do you think the women are pushed 
to be this way and say these things? Or do you think it's just who they are? I I think both. I think that they know that it's expected that they need to be drama. I know that people were disappointed with me that it took me so long to call out Ramona. She was treating me pretty badly um, from early on and I refused to call her out on it. Um, And then there's a triggering event that happened off camera that I finally was like, whoa, you know, so that's when I agreed to sit down with Sonia and and I said, Ramonaville is a one-way street. But yeah, there's, and and people were upset with me that I wasn't making more of a scene or, Mm. you know, at least, you know, she's done this to you or she's treating you, you know, like low men on the totem pole, right. call her out, make a scene. They wanted to make a scene at her birthday party, which I refused to do. Yeah. Yeah. I do definitely think there's a certain person attracted to the job. Right. right. And it yeah. sounds like, quite frankly, you have more integrity than <laughs> what would be asked of a lot of the cast members. Yeah. I love these shows, but also <laughs> a lot of integrity. <laughs> right. You know, look, I mean, also this show is not my livelihood. Um, right. I have a, I have a real career. So, but I don't even think I would, if I needed the money, I still couldn't bring myself to behave that way. Right. You touched, touched on it briefly in the beginning, but where can fans see you next and where can they find out more about your beauty line collaboration? Uh, beauty Society is... The in my bio on Instagram, the link is in my website. And I've also done some videos on my Instagram page about my skincare routine. And I'm telling you, it is I, I'm not a, a girly girl that gets into like the skincare thing. So normally I'll buy something, I'll use it for a week, I'll throw it in my drawer and I'll throw it away in a few years when it turned brown. <laughs> I use this stuff religiously because I literally I haven't when I was doing the show, I wore too much makeup because I was told that you're supposed to wear a lot of makeup and I had done fillers and I like was watching myself on camera and I'm like, damn, I look lumpy. Like, (laughs) like why didn't like anyone say to me, like, get that crap out of your face, you know? So now I have no fillers. I have no Botox. I haven't done anything. I've just been doing this beauty society and my skin has never looked so amazing where literally I just, I'm being stopped by people on the street saying, Oh, you know, what kind of skincare do you use? Oh my God. <laughs> so they could go um, onto uh, my Instagram, which is Elise Slain, and in my website are the products, and they can go on my page and look for the products that I really love and my skincare routine. And for the record, our listeners can't see you, but you do look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> So with that, do you have any parting words? If someone listening to this only takes one thing away with everything we talked about, what would you want that to be? Yeah, I would say do something every day that makes your partner feel loved and appreciated and do something every day that makes your day count. Be an active participant in your life. Now that. Thank you, Elise. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. I had a lot of fun. Oh, I did too. You guys are fabulous. You're so smart. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can like listen to you talk for like hours. (laughs) Yeah, we ran out of questions. I was trying to make them up on the fly. (laughs) No, it's funny. My so my daughter, who's 26, who I always would give her dating advice and her friends, and a lot of her friends would send me screenshots of text messages that they have with guys. Um, and I'm like their ghost texter. I tell them, (laughs) I tell them how to respond. 
And I'm very strict about it. I'm like, look, if I'm going to get involved in this, there's no unauthorized texting because then you <laughs> you undo all the good that I'm doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I also have to try to train them to think like me. Right. right. Because all of a sudden the guy could meet them and be like, wow, you're really different in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I try to make them, you know, strong and have passion in life and make a guy feel special, but also maintain your sense of independence. And I once was ghost texting for one of my daughter's gay friends. And finally, her another friend of hers reached out to me. And he was like, Elise, I I never thought I would need you for advice, but I'm weighing over my head. What do you think of this? And he sends me a screenshot. And it was the text that I was doing for the other guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Elise. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, uh, now which one do I want to have when? (laughs) That's like a Lifetime movie. Yeah, That's incredible. I know. I know. I'm both fabulous, fabulous young men. (laughs) Are they together now? Did you do your job correctly? You know, they were so young. They were in college. So, no. no. But but uh, they're still they're still friends and maybe friends with benefits, but there is a no monogamous relationship going on as of yet. Uh, Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at know that pod. You can also follow me at real Donnywood on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me, Anthony on Instagram at Anthony F Casella. And you can follow me, Quentin at Quentin Lamar on Twitter. Continue to listen and subscribe for free to know that a real housewives podcast on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your show. Oh.